Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Uh, no book this week. Um, in honor of Earth Day. Um, Rob, do you, do you celebrate Earth Day? I, um, I, I, did, I don't feel like I did anything different. Okay. But I, I, I did. I but did. I like I like the Earth. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a. I mean, you know, it's, you got it. Oh, you live here, right? I ate at a restaurant tonight that does um, it locally sources its food. There you okay. go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because if you eat at places that don't locally source it, it might not actually be from Earth. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Then so. it wouldn't even. Yeah. So that's not Earth Day. It's like Moon Day or Mars <laughs> yeah. Day or some shit like that. <laughs> But in honor of that, and then today were all the science marches, the marches for science. Yeah, which um, should have happened in March, if you ask me. I, I, you know, you mentioned that earlier, and I think you're you're spot on, and I think you should submit this because there there is a guy on Reddit who's claiming responsibility for this. <laughs> I guess, well, I guess a few months ago he had posted and said that you know we should really just do marches for science around the nation, and it was in one of like the top, you know, whatever top Reddit posts. And, yeah. and and then, lo and behold, a few months later, it happens. But at any rate, yeah, you should totally submit that as an idea. But, yeah. you know, Rob and I wanted to flex our scientific muscle because um, I, I know that if listeners know anything, it's that uh, we're really good at geography. Yes. And science. Yeah. And so, biology. If you listen to our Easter disappointment Orama, we talked a lot about animals getting knocked up. Yeah, we did. We more than oh my god, more than all right for people who don't. All right for listeners who don't know, and they're like, "What what episode is that?" That's a that's a patron only episode. So if you go to Patreon.com/slash/book, donate at least a dollar a month, you'll be able to um to to hear that disaster that that was the Easter disappointmentorama. <laughs> but at any rate, something we've never done before. Where this isn't book related. It's not really an interlude because we have a very focused topic that we're going to cover, yeah. um, and it it is um it's science related. I guess it's <laughs> it's time travel. Yeah, I'm so I'm pretty excited about this. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I'm 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 hesitant because we're way out of our element. <laughs> but I am looking forward to this. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So it bears it bears explaining a little bit how did we get to this point because this is a very unique episode. It's really not anything we've ever done before. I mean, I know we've done the the Halloween episodes and we've done the Christmas episodes that were themed around those holidays, but we've never just done an episode that was themed around a topic like this. Unless it was a book. And um so I'm at work and there's this guy Charles that I work with. Um and I don't remember exactly how. I think I was explaining one of the episodes that we were talking about. And he said, oh, yeah, you should check out this one guy. And it was something that's going to be talked about in the episode. So I won't spoil anything. But he's like, yeah, I think this is really kind of, you know, in your guys' wheelhouse. You should check this out. And so I took it to heart. And I was talking to Livius during the recording of one of our things. And I was like, oh, yeah, my buddy said we should talk about this. And Livius got super excited about it. And now combine that with the fact that I didn't want to read a book this week because I'm moving to California for four and a half months. I was like, why don't we just do a time travel episode? Because Livius was so excited about talking about this dude. 
I am ridiculously excited about time travel, and I'm sure that longtime listeners and astute listeners um, have heard me kind of go on and on about some great time travel movies. And then, you know, we've done a couple of books that touched on time travel, and I'm always very excited about that aspect and how it's handled. So I'm give you a rough outline of what you're going to hear, because you know what? At this point, if you're going to tune out, it's okay. Like, I understand if this isn't your thing. <laughs> but we are going to talk a little bit about John Teeter, yeah. who is um, probably the most famous alleged time traveler ever. Um, we're going to talk about proof that time travel exists, or at least things people think are proof time travel exists. <laughs> yeah. Exists. We're going to talk about a few movies and, and maybe a little bit about a book. But most importantly, and the part I'm looking most forward to is kind of our personal thoughts on time travel, which is how we're going to kind of end the episode. So, you know, like an hour from now, we'll be on that. So uh, the first thing we're going to do, though, is uh, first of all, thank you, Charles, for a brilliant, brilliant idea. And let this be a lesson to the rest of you guys. Um, The worst thing that's going to happen if you submit or ask us if we can do an episode or submit an idea is that we're not going to do it. Um, But, you know. It throws something our way, and if it sounds like we're going to have fun doing it, it'll probably replace an interlude along the way. So, Charles, <laughs> thanks so much for this. I don't think we ever would have gotten to this if it wasn't for you. I know we wouldn't have. And as, as I'm hearing you say that, I'm thinking to myself, we get people submitting things to us all the time that are probably thinking to themselves, this is going to be perfect for what they do. And I think that's the wrong approach. <laughs> Uh, all right. Yeah. I mean, but okay. But you know, what do we get submitted to us? Right. There was the, like the guy's fishing journal. Yeah. The world war two vet who like, you know, was still alive and wanted and rode an autobiography. Yeah. So we get yeah. a bunch of shit submitted to us. That's for sure. The gay but, cowboy like, stuff. Do you remember gay cowboy do, stuff from yeah. like year two? Yeah. I, uh, you know, yeah. looking back now, had that guy have submitted it now, I think we'd have been like, fuck it. <laughs> fuck Let's it. Read the gay book. cowboy yeah. story. Yeah. We don't, <laughs> we don't need credibility. Um, not that it would not be a credible thing. It's just way outside oh, of our yeah. wheelhouse. Yeah, I was going to say, you haven't seen Brokeback Broke Mountain. Well, Dude, you know, I did see Brokeback Mountain. That to, was a great be, movie. Yeah, to be fair, it was gay cowboy erotica. So I don't yeah. even think it was done. Yeah. We didn't look at it very deeply, but it didn't sound like it was done very... Probably along the lines of... Uh, Oh, what was the stepdaddy book? <laughs> uh, Back during the Brat. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that was the problem is like, at that point, we hadn't even done like straight erotica. So gay cowboy erotica was just like two more steps away from what we were ready to do. That being said, if you're thinking right now, this is a gay cowboy erotica as a thing, we're probably not going to do it. So I'll say I'll save you the email. You missed your window on that one. Um, but yeah, I, I think that like so like if um, it's if that one um, uh, one girl from Amazon whose whip review we uh, we we commented on gets back to us. Oh, is that from the Easter thing? It is. Yeah. It is. yeah. See, now I'm really trying to push people to go to Patreon by talking about stuff that was really funny. Um, we might do an, like a bondage episode, but I haven't. I just checked earlier today. She has not responded to my comment yet. I have the feeling that um, that, that she's not going to. No. I'm going to be really honest. <laughs> she probably just posted that review and moved on with her life. Although... I'll bet you we find a screenshot of it on Facebook if we look hard enough. Like, the, like here's weird motherfuckers trying to pick up chicks through Amazon yeah. reviews or something like that, and just a screenshot. And then all her friends going, oh, my God, I can't believe you're not safe anywhere anymore. Oh, I, even in an Amazon review. Dirty podcasters. Feminists everywhere have stopped listening to the book podcast because of this. It's fine. Do you think it was because of this? Dude. Uh, it it won't be all feminists because Jesse Lawrence still listens. So, 
That's a good point. All right. Let's get to let's let's stop talking about whips and gay cowboys <laughs> and, and let's get to really serious stuff. Time travel. Time travel. John Teeter gained um, Internet notoriety. Now, when I say that it was in the year 2000, so the Internet was much, much smaller than it is now. Um, I, I was on the Internet, I think, in 2000 or, or right about that time. That would have been the time of uh, 33, six modems, I think, right? Like twenty eight point eight. Right around 2000, Rob, wow. does that sound right? Um, that's you. I assumed you'd be on the internet before that. Like I got on the internet, like in night in the, like the oh. 1996, 97, maybe, you know what? You're right. Cause I remember going and actually standing out in line at midnight to get a copy of windows 98. Um, oh, so yeah, wow. pro- you're probably wow. right. Probably 96, 97. Yeah. Cause I feel like DSL was available in like 2000. And that was like, hey, it's a billion times faster than dial-up. So dial-up was already going out by the time 2000 rolled around. Maybe this John Teeter brought us um, faster internet from the future, <laughs> which is where he claimed uh, to be from. So um, he, he posted on the Time Travel Institute forums um, in late 2000 under the name Time Traveler underscore zero. And it was uh, a post, and I, I don't have it. I'll give you the gist of it. He said, you know, greetings. I, I'm a time travel f- traveler from the year 2036, and I'm on my way back home from 1970-something, where really all his job was was to pick up an old IBM computer, um, which which becomes important a little bit later. Um, but he basically started making predictions of things that would happen, and a lot of them didn't come true. The problem um, that we'll talk about, I'm sure, probably at multiple points during this episode, is that depending on which theory of time travel you believe, time travel has some very convenient outs. Um, And in this one, he was saying that, uh, and I'm trying to think of what the most relevant movie or or whatever. All right, if anybody watches the the CW show The Flash... Kind of along those lines. Like if you go back in time and you change something, you create an alternate timeline. So what he was saying is he's the timeline he's in is not the timeline he's from because you can't travel back on your own timeline. So in his timeline, year 2K stuff went down that was pretty bad. And he made predictions, but he also said some of these predictions may not come true because on this timeline, there may not be a nuclear war in 2015. You see where I'm going with this? So right, right. Some things came true. Some of them didn't. One of the really big ones, though, that did come true was he had said that the IBM he had picked up was um, could read older IBM programs, but it was not something that was ever publicized, and only a few people at IBM knew about it because they were trying to keep something, uh, competitors or something from copying this technology or something. And it turns out that a few years after that, IBM came forward and said, yeah, they've always been able to do this. We just didn't publicize it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what I mean? So it was a little bit of a, of a weird thing. Basically, by and large, this has been debunked as, um, as, as a fake. Um, there's even some belief um, in who the person was. There was two guys that put this together. Um, two brothers. 
Um, but it was kind of a big deal. The internet was much smaller back then than it is. Your, your mom wasn't on the internet at that time. Not you, but you know what I mean? The internet wasn't. Uh, <laughs> you start talking about moms? Yeah. We're talking about bulletin boards. We're still a thing in the year 2000. Most uh, younger listeners will have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, like I said, it, it, it's been debunked. But here are some of the things um, that, that were important about it. He detailed a little bit of how his time travel machine worked. Um, which seemed to be, how do I say this, believable. Um, he uh, <laughs> predicted an upcoming civil war in the United States doing with uh, with rights, people's rights. Um, but he also predicted that would happen in 2004. So we know that that's not, yeah. you know, yeah. Right. Um, the, the war would be, split us up into five regions based on various factors and differing military objectives. It would end in 2015. Um, with a brief World War Three, so those are some of the bigger predictions that that he made. Uh, as you know, apparently that didn't happen in our timeline, but in some timeline, the timeline he's from, that's exactly what happened. So yeah, that's. I think that and there's going to be there's a theme that's emerging right now that's going to be consistent through our entire discussion of time travel, and it's that. Uh, it is so unprovable that everybody sounds insane. Is that fair? Um, I don't know. We're going to look at some proof here shortly, and, and maybe oh, we'll, right. we'll, well. We'll, we'll come to a decision <laughs> on, on if that's um, to close yeah. out Teeter. Um, a lot of it. The problem is a lot has happened since then. So he was only around for I think it was like six months. Kind of disappeared off off the face of the earth with, with a, a final um, post saying, yeah, I'm going to be heading home soon. So it's been great talking to you guys, that kind of thing. Um, but he was covered a lot in Coast to Coast AM. Are you familiar at all with Coast to Coast AM? Um, y- yes. Is it the people that talk about like it's like a radio show and they talk about like. The black helicopters and all the bullshit conspiracy stuff that like yeah, conservative but they, people. Yeah, but they, they cover ghosts and they cover supernatural stuff okay. too. So I, I, a lot of fringe stuff, I guess, would be the best way to do it. Ooh, um, he he got gained some notoriety for that too. He had sent faxes to that uh, to that show um, back in the in, in the you know whatever the late nineties. <laughs> faxes. Hey, listen. At that time, <laughs> no fringe the TV show. No, 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 no. I'm saying fringe stuff, you know, like fringe. fringe. Science. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about um, the TV show. I no, no, no. He was, he had sent faxes into Coast to Coast AM, and, and that also had, no. and, and still has a large following to this day. Yeah. You know, so Livius oddly is one enough, of the listeners. Oddly enough, I tried to listen to an episode on Stitcher, and it's only available if you're a paid subscriber. Ooh. Of yeah. of Stitcher or of the specific show? I'm guessing of Stitcher. I didn't even know that was a an option. How do we I know? Ooh. So Stitcher so Stitcher has a premium thing. I came across this with another podcast I was listening to, and in that one, it was the um the Richard Simmons one. You oh, could actually yeah. hear the podcast um a week early and commercial free if you were a Stitcher premium subscriber. Oh man. I think Ooh. we we just came up I think we came up with a new revenue stream. Maybe. Some we could definitely look into, like a revenue creek. Yeah, I don't know, whatever, like a like a dribble, <laughs> like a revenue runoff from a heavy rain. Yeah, you know the condensation that happens on the outside of your yeah. beer can. <laughs> that's the revenue we're looking at. Yeah, that's something that we're looking at. At any rate, so I'm going to call bullshit on Teeter. Um, he, you know, again, convenient outs, right? 
So um, time travelers. Oh, he had actually said that time travelers have been here before and typically don't make themselves known in response to somebody's question. Um, basically because, you know, they're kind of afraid of people and what would happen. Now, to be fair, that makes sense. If a time traveler was discovered in the year 2017, the the FBI or the CIA or whoever would snatch him up and we'd never, ever hear from him again because right. we would use that person to try to manufacture time travel now yeah. and not wait till 2036 when this is a thing. So, you know, that. but again, also very convenient out and then the multiple timelines. So if I make a prediction, it doesn't come true. That's because in this time. So two things, right? Either it didn't happen in this timeline, which is Teeter's thing. Or the fact that I told you that it would happen somehow caused it not to happen. Yeah. That it's di- diverted because you now have the information this and you can changed, stop the yeah. nuclear war because I'm telling you nuclear war is coming. And yeah. you're like, well, shit, I don't want that. So I'm not going to engage the enemy in such a way that this is going to transpire. Teeter, one of the bigger one of the bigger things, but I think there's a lot to be said about like like you were saying, the internet was in its infancy as far as like having wide public access and so people didn't know what a troll was yet, didn't know like that the information on the internet had varying degrees of like reliability. <laughs> there are still a lot of people who don't know. Well yeah, just I mean, of, yeah. Yeah, Donald Trump does not know that he's being trolled. No, but I, I was talking about like kind of like fake news, you know, and, and I'm sure you still have some of those people in your feed that will share things and they're never yeah. from credible. It's never from like right. Newsweek or Time or, you know, or the New York Times. It's always a <laughs> website you've never heard of and there's no corroborating evidence anywhere right. else of this than on other, you know, really out there websites. Yeah, it's like. Here's the report from the Social Justice Warrior report. And it's like, yeah, of course they're going to say what you. Yeah. I, I was um, and, and likely still would be, I guess, if it wasn't for the Internet. I was a huge fan of the World Weekly News when I was uh, in my late teens and, <laughs> and early 20s. Like Bat Kid and stuff. Oh, God, I ate that shit up. I didn't believe any of it. But I'll <laughs> tell you that it was some of the most entertaining sure. writing um, the stories uh, were often more intricate than you would think. Like you'd look at the covers and laugh, but the stories would be structured pretty well. You know what I mean? And, and it was you'd pay a buck fifty and you'd kill, you know, an hour and a half kind of reading the articles. And then the ads of that were just as just as good because the ads were for legit products marketed to either really gullible or crazy people. Right. So uh, I had a lot of fun reading that uh, that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there are still people that that buy into what i would call world weekly news only it's the internet version of yeah yeah yeah, well it's it's typically either really far left or really far right yeah websites too at least from a political standpoint those are the two that 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 spew the most bullshit i feel like there was a and you're probably we don't watch the same tv shows you're probably not gonna know i'm talking about but i feel like there was a tv show um where um the Weekly World News or like tabloids basically were like the source of what was actually going on in the world. God, I wish I knew it. Like, was this like you're talking about like a fiction? Show? I mean, uh, uh, obviously, other than that, yeah, was yeah, it... yeah. Like it was like okay. a almost like a secret agency kind of thing, like where these people worked for like an agency no one knew existed, and they oh. they would uh, they'd get their like real news from from like the Weekly World News and, and tabloids like that. But I don't remember if anybody listening. 
knows what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about, um, let us know because it was a it was a neat premise um, that wasn't overused, but it was it was just a fun approach to what that type of those types of stories you know actually meant. Now that you say that, though, if I think about back to the X Files. Um, a good portion of the X-Files was like that. They were always going to investigate something that seemed like it could be on the cover of World Weekly News. Right, yeah, definitely. You know, Bigfoot or aliens or ghosts or, or whatever. And, and you know, the nice thing about that show was it was, I don't want to say 50-50 because it's been a lot of years. But what I liked about that is not that they debunked every one of them. Right, but, but that they, it was an even like, split yeah. between this probably really was a, a family of werewolves. Right, you know? like it was like they added to the mystique of it sometimes, and then other times it was like, yeah, this is just nonsense. Yeah. Other times it was yeah. Scooby Doo, right? Yeah. Like they they pulled the mask off the guy at the end, and if it was a few meddling FBI agents, I would have gotten away with it. So it was right. nice to to have a good split because a lot of shows lean one way or the other. Now, since we're talking about X Files, two words, my man, season eleven. Fox has gotten. So into bringing back their old hit shows. <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but right now, by right now, I mean in this this week, back-to-back night, or I'm sorry, this has been last week, back-to-back nights, 24 and Prison Break. <sighs> so shows that I loved um, in their original runs, and I have watched the new 24. I'd watch another season. You know, it, it didn't have the same magic, but I, I think if they, they tweak it a little bit, it could still be really good. Yeah, and and I don't I don't even know what the fuck's going on with Prison Break. I'm three episodes in, and I'm I'm still up in the air. But <laughs> there's a so prison Fox, involved at all? Yeah, okay. yeah. They they figured out another way to put Schofield in prison. Dead Michael <laughs> Schofield in prison. Believe it or not. Oh, spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen uh, uh, the original run of yeah. Prison Break. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so at any rate, Fox is um, rehashing old shows at, at breakneck speed. I'll, I'll take a season 11 of X-Files. I don't care what anybody fucking says about season 10 and how weird and confusing it was. That one episode was probably the best episode of television I've ever watched. You're talking about the one with the, the guy, right? The, 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 the lizard dude? Yes, yeah. Oh, my God. The writing was so spot on. And it was just like if there was like it was like everybody got together and they're like, let's do something that is just going to be candy for the fans. For like a whole fucking episode, and that's what it was. It was amazing. Amazing. Amazing stuff. And a good story. It was like a reverse monster story. Well, that's kind of time travel, isn't it? That yeah. we get to watch the shows we loved ten years ago? <sighs> Speaking All of time new. travel, oh. mm-hmm. I have an answer to your, uh, what's his name, Teeter? Yes, John Teeter. John Teeter. Have you heard of Andrew Basiago? This name does not sound familiar. Andrew Basiago, apparently, if I said his name right, is B-A-S-I-A-G-O, is apparently a lawyer out of Washington State who claims to have worked with a government project called Project Pegasus. Does this sound familiar with you at all? No, no not, not even a little bit. So, um, I think that was the name of the government. Anyway, um... Basically, the idea is like there was a secret government uh, project that was using secrets learned from the documents of Nikola Tesla about things like time travel and teleportation. 
And so this guy claims that he has time traveled a lot um, to various um, historical things, including the assassination of President Lincoln and the Gettysburg Address. He also claims to have discovered life on Mars in a trip with um in nineteen in the nineteen eighties in a trip to Mars with Barack Obama. <laughs> so I had you up until <laughs> I was on Mars with Barack Obama, right? Um I I I mean again, you know, disprove it. You know, that's really what it comes <laughs> down to. You can't prove something didn't happen typically, right? Yeah. Um you know it, it no, so, I, I don't believe that. I don't I don't believe it at all. So that being said, it's like any other conspiracy theory or whatever. You don't believe it because it's outlandish. But really, unless you can plug significant holes in his story, is it possible? I guess. So one of his more substantiated claims was um being present during Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg address and the first link that I put in our notes Livius takes you to that um Stranger Dimensions article and if you scroll down you'll see Andrew de Baziago's trip to Gettysburg is one of the 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 things hmm. so it includes a picture basically here's what I'm getting at it includes a picture allegedly of Baziago at the Gettysburg Address. And so the Gettysburg Address happened in 1863. That means one of two things. Either photography existed in 1863, which I'm guessing it did, right? Yes. Or someone was there with him who took a picture of him. But I, my impression is he unintentionally made it into a photo that was taken at the Gettysburg Address. So, yeah, you, did you? I'm sorry. Did you say I'm trying to look up when photography was invented? Uh, did you say intentionally or unintentionally? Unintentionally. I feel like what the what the the story is trying to say is like he went back in time to the Gettysburg Address and didn't realize that he was going to be have his photograph taken, but he found himself in a photo at the Gettysburg Address, and that's part of his proof that this is something a DARPA secret government project called. Project Pegasus in the 1970s. Um, he says, he's the boy standing at center left looking to his right. He claims mm -hmm. his shoes were lost while traveling the quantum plenum from 1972 New Jersey to 1863 Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. This my question is, what, I mean, he looks really young in that picture. I'm going to do some research into this. I'm not, I'm not going to make you guys wait for me to do that. <laughs> But, I mean, he looks ridiculously young. I'm not saying that's not possible that a youngster couldn't participate in a project. Um, but that's, yeah, that's a little weird. They traveled to Mars yeah. in the 1980s yeah. with Barack Obama. So here's the thing. Basiago, uh, he says that DARPA basically has a room that you go to. And I read, I did, I did more reading past this article. Um, had this, like research facility and there was a room that you went to that would be the whatever they called it the temporal mm -hmm. plenum the quantum plenum mm -hmm. um that would take you to different places and you could travel um he said he was at um the assassination of president lincoln 
at the Ford Theater several times and even ran into himself at the theater twice. Like, he ran into other instances of himself going back in time. Um, that's a little creepy. <laughs> I'm going to say that, that that concept is, is a little... A, a little yeah but weird. think about it like like livius goes back in time to you know the filming of debbie does dallas because that's exactly what you would do yeah because that's what i would do like i would find some historical porn and be a part of it um and then livius is like that was pretty cool when i went back to that porn i'm gonna do it again and you see yourself there the first thing you're gonna do is high five yourself or like like give a knowing wink or, or something oh like, my god dude that would turn into a weird livius gangbang in w does dallas <laughs> there's like nine there's like nine of the same guy yeah yeah that's exactly what i would do <laughs> and this is why time travel here this is and and like i think this theory is going to prove out this is why we know time travel is not real because it hasn't been used for porn and if there's one <laughs> thing that we know about technology is that Technology thrives through its adaptation in porn. It's been proven time and again. Earlier today, <laughs> I um, I put on a YouTube video that was, you know, 10 moments that prove time travel existed or whatever. And mm -hmm. the, the, the guy doing it sounded like he was a 14-year-old kid. <laughs> he wasn't taking it very seriously, so I didn't watch the whole thing. But he said the first thing he would do is travel back in time um, to tell Jesus to get a haircut. You know, there's a picture of yeah. Jesus from some movie with long hair. And he was like, and then I'd stop at points through time. And, oh, what did he get? What was his exact words? Basically, to, like, grab titties from, like, famous, <laughs> like, movie stars. <laughs> See, now this guy, that's what that's what every fucking scientist would, that would be the first thing. I'm going to go watch, you know, the Marquis de Sade. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know. All I can say is that, you know, my personal belief is that we are not currently in 2017 uh, have the ability to time travel. You know, we'll talk about our personal <laughs> kind of thoughts on it later. But, yeah. you know, the, the the trouble with that is, is that if you're going to accept the time travel at any point in the future, 2000, 3000 years from now it is possible, then time travel could happen here. It would just be that someone's visiting this time and not us visiting yeah. another time. Um, I do want to say that Andrew Basiago apparently has appeared numerous times on Coast to Coast AM. That That's not surprising. And uh, he's yeah. going to be president here in the next 20 years, according to him. Yeah, he was supposed to run for president in 2016, and that didn't happen. So, Well, yeah, because he saw yeah. the stiff competition. I mean, if you're going to run yeah. for president, like... let, let me tell you something. <laughs> if you're going to run for president... At any time in history, 2016, your chances of winning were super, super high because you're up against the weakest candidates mm -hmm. in yeah. history. So if you didn't do it then, buddy, guess what? It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Andrew um, Baziago. <laughs> some other um, famous things that, that and maybe I can kick a couple over to you. Um, one of the most fascinating ones to me, and, and I, I, I would imagine at this point everybody's seen this, uh, a couple of years ago, somebody noticed in Charlie Chaplin's film The Circus yep. that there is a woman walking down the street and she appears to be talking into a, a phone, 
like a wireless cell like like cell phone right yep um what are your what are your thoughts on that I mean, it was almost immediately debunked, right? Because there were, like, the hearing devices, like, essentially, like, hearing aids of the time were bulky contraptions that you held up to the side of your head in a, in a similar way to a, to a cell phone. Sure, but who is she talking to, then? Because she's talking. How do you know she's talking? Did you hear her? Well, she's moving her lips like she's talking. Oh, man, and she's not walking with... Yeah, she's not walking with anybody to, to be using the hearing aid. <laughs> If that makes sense. Do you know, you understand what I'm saying? Like, she's walking by herself. Yes. Um, all right. I have the video up. I'm going to watch it right now just to uh, edify you here. All right. So there she is. She's walking. She doesn't look like she's talking, but she does stop suddenly. This video. And... Oh, here we go. It's it zoomed in. All right. I was going to say this video because um, there are some oh, zoomed in talking. versions of this. Yeah. She's talking. And, and she's clearly not with anybody else. There's a guy who walks past her. Yeah, he's he's far ahead of her. Um, Charlie Chaplin's circus. All right, she stops by the ass of that zebra. Maybe she's talking to that zebra's ass. It's possible, but I will say that that her her motions and everything about her looks like someone talking on a phone today. All right. So there's nothing even odd about. You know what I mean? So the 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 item looks like it is the size of a of a current smartphone. I mean, it looks like it's probably a you know five and a half inch screened phone or, or whatever. Right now, here's my question because I thought you'd be a little more accepting of this. Not not as <laughs> not as truth, but <clears throat> who who would she be talking to? And, and by who I mean she's talking on a phone. The technology for cell phone towers oh, doesn't exist. Oh, I see exist. what you're saying. Like. Is it a time phone? Like, because you wouldn't be talking. There's no other cell phones in 1928, uh, unless she's there with another time traveler, and the technology is more of a like a walkie-talkie type. type you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a one-to-one direct yeah. connect type thing, where maybe there's someone a block over that she's able to talk to, or she's talking to the future. So what? All right. So let's 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 walk down that road. When was the walkie-talkie invented? Oh, Google. What would we do without Google? By the way, photography was 1838. I closed the window, but it was definitely before. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. The walkie-talkie. Formerly. All right. Handheld portable two-way radio transceiver developed during the Second World War has been variously credited to Oh, wow. All right. So that's in the 30s or 40s. Late 30s yeah, 1937, yeah. and the picture is the guy is holding what looks like a really, really big. When you have like, like the satellite backpack. phones and yeah. the well, but like you know, the, the right. really huge, yeah. Oh, so Lord, I, I don't know if there's if there's any you know kind of compelling evidence. Um, it, it's this, and, and the reason I say this is, I don't know how much we're gonna talk about, but there's the celebrity lookalike photos, and, and all those photos look frighteningly like the people i mean but uh, that could be that could be photoshopped like we know this charlie chaplin movie was made and has not changed now here's what i want to know where was it filmed um uh, uh, oh i think it was in la i don't know because charlie chaplin got his start in chicago he had a he had a I just want to claim time travel happened in Chicago. That's what I'm going for. I, I have like 82 tabs open, know, but that movie, yeah, that movie. Let me scroll back down. Um, uh, it was made from a new DVD release, The Circus Bonus. Okay, this doesn't say. 
Oh, they included recordings taken at the film's Los Angeles premiere at a Grauman's Chinese theater. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was there. Um, so right. yeah, that's uh, the other one. There's another one that's very similar. Is it um, the hipster? That, no, there's another one with a girl who looks like she might be talking on a phone. That's from uh, something like 20 uh, years later in 1938. Yeah, three years. No, three years. No, 1938. Yeah, that's like so, a decade later. So let's see. Time traveler in 1938 film. I'm watching this now. It's a minute long, so I'll just kind of narrate it. Woman on cell phone. All right, she's walking with a bunch of ladies, and she just kind of in a very sassy way is talking to something that she's holding up to her face that looks like the size of an old-ass cell phone, and she's got a smile on her face. Her friends don't, and that could be telling. And then she brings it down from her face. Interesting. So... So a few years after this um, was brought to light, uh, the lady did work for a telephone company. Uh-huh. And that lady's granddaughter claims that they were testing wireless phone technology. So it's like a prototype, like an yeah. iPhone, like an iPhone four situation where they left it at the bar and. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, well, that she was caught talking about it. Um, so, again, I, I don't know if anybody's able to validate. I mean, this person says that's their grandmother, but that's like John Teeter saying he's from the future. I mean, how do yeah. you actually, um, you know, validate that? Um, the one interesting thing about this one is that she is with other people that might think it weird. So unless they are all time travelers, so like a band of time traveling women. <laughs> right. But it's you see what I'm saying? Where that, this might have yeah. some legitimate, the, you know, she, she's talking and her friends would be like, holy shit, you're talking on a futuristic device. They, they probably right. wouldn't be as calm as they are in that video. So that was the one kind of debunking of that um, from, you know, just the information we have at hand and not, you know, an alleged granddaughter. But they could be like time traveling handlers or bodyguards or something. Well, yeah, it's possible that that all three or four of them are are you know are, are part of it. But yeah. All right. So can we talk about a phenomenon? I know, or do you want to talk about the celebrity photos? Because I got another thing to bring up. Yeah, we can. I mean, I, I honestly think those are photoshopped. I, I don't know what the validity <laughs> of how far back we could like were these photos printed in a book that I could go in now that was printed in 1930. You know. Right. Yeah. Like if you had some sort of chain of custody for when the photo was originally taken. Correct. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. But like there's one that looks like fucking Nick Cage, Keanu Reeves. But I, I've had I, I've had two different people send me pictures of people that at first glance I thought were me. At, at first, you know what I mean? Like, what, what is, oh, that's not yeah. me. You know what I mean? But like even I thought that so I could see where somebody else would. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah, that one, it's it's entertaining, but, and, like, I take that as, like, it would just be funny if the person that looks like John Travolta from 150 years ago, like, I just imagine that they danced a lot and, like, talk like this, you know, like, they had a weird... Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, so, that's more just kind of, like, that's that's less serious, that's no proof of time travel. It would be more of a proof of immortality. Well, I also think that there are a limited number of facial combinations. Sure. I, I mean, there's a lot. There isn't like, you know, that all of us look like one of four people. Right. But I have to imagine that there's just a limited, you know, there's somebody has my shape of nose and my color eyes and maybe my color hair. And all of a sudden they kind of look like me. Yeah. And it probably happens one in, you know, a million, one in a hundred. I don't know what it is. 
well, but arguably there's another phenomenon too where like as an instinctual survival tactic um we our our minds and our eyes are trained to recognize patterns so that's how we could see an am- animal aminal <laughs> an animal that was camouflaging itself in nature was by trying to recognize patterns in nature. So, like, our brain is programmed to see things that we are expecting to see. Yeah, that we recognize. It's a survival, and yeah. And that, and that's very true. I mean, if you scroll through a long list of anything, and I do it with books a lot, I, I always notice the books that I know. Yeah. If that may, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I guess that's... So, I, I'm not as hot on that. I will say that from an older picture standpoint, though, the picture of, like, the... the is it called the modern hipster or whatever? Yeah. Um, that that one is a little concerning. Not so much as that. I don't know if it's in your list, but there's the one that's called like the surfer dude. Um, is it the guy with the printed t-shirt? Like, yeah. The, yeah. That one, the only thing that gets me is I don't know how common in what was supposed to be the 1940s in British Columbia, how common it was to have t-shirts that had like, or had shirts at all that had some sort of like printed design on them sunglasses is what most people say didn't exist at really? the time yeah now so. that's and that's my thought is like something like that if the guy was blind or had some sort of sight condition mm-hmm. special glasses would have existed probably so well inexpensive mass market produced sunglasses made from celluloid were first produced in 1929 yeah but that word there is inexpensive mass produced that doesn't mean that right. it didn't exist yeah. They're, you know, prior to a So, so far, we've been able to kind of handily debunk most of this stuff based on the fact that, like, it's just, I mean, it's odd and it's eye catching, but, like, there's so many different ways you can say, all right, well, it's probably just this. That one, though, the watch, the, the, the stone the carving. Okay, apparently, on the back of that is engraved the word Swiss. Engraved, whatever chiseled into the stone. So that has to be either you believe the archaeologists actually found it or they planted it, you know. So I I, I don't know. That one, it all depends on the credibility that those archaeologists have. You have to leave room for the possibility that one asshole archaeologist was like, I'm going to fuck with everybody. And he like palmed it like a little sleight of of hand. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I'm saying. I that one's all up to because if they are credible, if those are credible archaeologists, then that one is probably a little hard to, to explain. Sure. Now, what about the kitchen sink time travel? Did you pay attention to this one? I did, but you could you could talk about it. <laughs> the difference here. So, so far, we've had a couple of videos that were just really, really old technology that um, was probably like it was it probably worked in the favor of the stories that the footage wasn't that great, if you know what I mean. This one was supposed to take place in 2004, and it's a guy from some Scandinavian country who was trying to fix a leak in his sink, and he couldn't reach far enough back to fix the link, so he kept to le- the leak, so he kept going back further and further, and eventually, like, saw a light and went through the light and traveled to 2042, where he encountered his future self. Mm-hmm. But he had a cell phone with him, so he recorded a video of it, and it shows like him. Plus some old dude who, you know, bore a a resemblance to him. And the selling moment is 
they reveal that they have the same tattoo in the same location on each of their arms. Well, and the the issue with that is, you know, you and I could go get the same tattoo. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I mean, like... It, yeah, like if they had the same, it. like, scar or the same, like, cut-off finger or something yeah. like that. I mean, that's a little bit better, but, like, the problem I have is, like, the guy who is... I'm guessing 35, 40 years in the future. No, it's 40 years in the future, right? Mm-hmm. This is like 2002, 2004. The tattoo looks brand new. Oh, that's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. But yeah, yeah, that is, there is no fading on that tattoo. No fading, no distortion, no, um, no aging of that tattoo at all. Hmm. So right there, as a guy who... Uh, you've had tattoos for longer than I have, but the oldest yes. tattoo I have is 14 years old now. It does not look like the same as it did the day I got it. No, and you're right. Both of those tattoos look really, really fresh. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's a that's a good way to debunk that. Not to mention the fact that it's... Um, none of these other ones were brought forth by the person yeah. in it. Like this is, this is John Teeter, right? This is John Teeter level stuff, yeah. right? Like I have this knowledge. I'm the only one who knows this. Um, everything else was discovered in film footage or in photographs or, you know, I don't know. So like, and here's the problem. Like you go and you see your future self, the tattoo, uh, the, the, the provability of a tattoo is just like shitty at best. Cause like, here's the thing. Even if you went to the future, you could be like, Hey man, Let's go down to this future tattoo shop and get you a tattoo and pretend you're me. So even if you did travel in time, there's no proof there. <laughs> and that, you know, that's that's hilarious because that is taking it to another extreme to prove that you time traveled. You are faking the proof after you actually time traveled. Right. Like, show me, like, I mean, there's, like, the, the, the video itself um, proves nothing about a different time than what we're in right now. Show me a future newspaper where like we wait until 2042 and we realize, Oh, that was the newspaper. This guy who is now old enough to meet himself from the past was right. Well, the old guy should have pulled out the iPhone 28. Yeah. Yeah. Cause clearly if he has an iPhone now or he has a phone cell phone now, he would have a really fancy cell phone. You know? Or, or like he would have been like, Hey, tell me some history. Tell me about a major event that happened in 2004. You know, and then wait for that event to happen. Anyway, bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit, um, except for the <laughs> fact that scientists have. I don't know if in a way you can call this time travel, but and this is this is not new. I, I mean, this this comes up every now and then, but um, I don't know. I, I'm not big on science. So, you know, I was a lot of joking at the beginning about how I, I, I have trouble with science. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I did spend quite a bit of time reading about this this quantum physics project. So I'm going to try to give you the layman's version very quickly. And I don't know. I'll, I'll give you in a way how this ties into time travel at, at the end. But what they uh, what they did, and it's the, you know I'm not even going to quote who it is. Some very very legitimate scientists um, did an experiment where they shot tiny bits of matter towards a screen that has two slits in it. And then on the other side of that screen, a, a, a camera records where, where the photon lands. So let, let me take it a step back. 
they have a, a gun of some sort that shoots tiny photons, electrons, and any atomic-sized objects. And they shoot them towards a wall, we'll say, but through a screen that has a slit in the middle of it. Or has two slits. They shoot it through one slit, and they get you know a pattern on the wall. They shoot it through the other slit, they get a pattern on the wall, you know, to the left of, you know what I'm saying? So you get, yeah, right. Then they would shoot it through both of them, and something very strange would happen is they would get a wave formation. And when I say that, I, I saw like diagrams of it. They would get a weird spread out formation that was like stronger in the middle, and you know what I mean? Kind of like a wave right. form. And they couldn't understand how, how this is happening because when they shot it through, you know, you shoot something through one slit, it, it would go on just in a straight line. You shoot through the other slit, go in a straight line. What would cause this to happen? So kind of unknowingly, they decided to set up a camera, high-tech, high-speed camera, to see what's happening to the protons after they're coming out of the, um, out of the slits. And the fact that they recorded, that they were recording this, the protons acted differently. They no longer did the wave pattern. So camera often removed, you get the wave pattern. Once the camera goes on, the protons behaved differently when they were hitting the wall. Yeah. So here's how this ties into time travel, or at least time not working in a way that we really understand. They, they didn't couldn't do this as an experiment, but what they were saying is they took it out larger. So let's say that you were able to set up this experiment, but across the entire galaxy. It would take X amount of years for the protons to travel, but there's no reason to think that they would do anything different. Right. But if you were observing and recording it, observing at the end to, to see what the result was and you got the different result in theory you affected something that happened in the past. That's really hard to say that in a room, but I guess you could. Once you observe, it's changing what the protons are doing on their way to the wall, which means that you've affected the past by, you know, a split second or two seconds or however long that is. Do you follow what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, I have some thoughts on this. Which is super, super interesting. Because um, we're, we're going to go ahead and say the photons are probably aren't sentient and know they're being watched. Like, Humans behave differently when they're being watched. We know that for a fact, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, so either you can go with sentient photons or the fact that this actually does affect something that happens in the past. All right. This makes me think about, because um, I've talked about on several occasions, the Schrodinger's cat thing, which you're familiar with, right, Livius? I am. It never made sense to me because really it doesn't. Yes, I, I understand yeah. what it is, but I don't understand. <laughs> I understand it as a concept of the unknown can be anything. Right. Like until we see what the actual state of something is, it exists in both the, you know, option A and option B state. Um, but there's a the, the weird twist with Schrodinger's cat, which I've never, because I'm not a scientist and I'm not as smart as people think I am, I've never really fully wrapped my mind around is the observer effect. Which um, I thought it had a fancier name than that, but in my frantic Google searching while Livius was explaining um, the photons and the waveform, um, I was disappointed to find out that it's just called <laughs> it's just called the observer effect, which is efficient, kind of boring. Um, the observer effect refers to changes 
that the act of observation will make on a phenomenon being observed, often the result of instrument that by necessity alter the state of the way uh, they alter the state of what they measure in some manner. So like, I guess this is implying that the camera itself is changing the environment in which the experiment happens. So you're saying physically the camera being there has changed the atmosphere and that causes, yeah. I mean, is that where you're going? <laughs> yeah. So like it could be the energy that it's putting out or like some sort of radiation that is caused by something that's a component of the camera is making or, or the power itself that it's drawing from, you know, wherever. Yeah, could could have an actual sure. physical effect. I, I absolutely see that. I mean, that's like that's like anything. You know, if you put enough cold cans of beer in a room, the temperature you know goes yeah. down, right? I mean, that's yeah. That's why your chocolate yeah. um, your chocolate wine is going to chill differently in the freezer if it's just in there by itself versus like right. if it's sitting on right. a bag of peas. I would think though that these quantum <laughs> physicists would have somehow accounted for that. Yeah, but how can you if you don't know what? Yeah, no, no, gonna... I. I absolutely understand what you're saying i just think the guys that are far smarter than us <laughs> they would create a camera that does not affect the outcome of the experiment is what you're saying well yeah i mean or they so would you know a, a couple simple ways to do that right it's it's yeah it's recording but they take the tape out yeah and get the same result but then the argument is there's the tape being in there actually changes the, right yeah yeah so i mean i, I again yeah. really hard to do both you know what i mean there are some instances where i think you could do something like that and and know that it's not but there are going to be tons of instances where there's it could, like the time travel thing right the alternate yeah. timelines is is you know so i thought it was interesting um maybe it's a little less interesting than i thought now knowing that there's something called the observer effect uh, no but i mean i think it's just as interesting like that's i mean that's the core of science is like science isn't like anything other than we're going to try things until we get the effect that we were hoping to see. That's all it is. Well, oh, no. I think that's the exact opposite of science. Or, I think they, they try things we and see record. something, and we're going to figure out why it's happening. It's, right. one, of, it's one or the other. Yeah, like, I, I think having a, pre, a predetermined <laughs> outcome is the exact opposite of science, though. So, <laughs> Wait, is that religion? Am I getting mixed up? It might be. I don't all know. Right. Um all right, moving on from science that is beyond us. I'm well beyond me, Levius. I know that you're probably smarter than me, and you may, you know, cognate cogn yeah. cognate that better than I do. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know about any of that. I know that I struggle with science, but I mean, I can if I really apply myself. At least, even when I say struggle, I don't believe a lot of science. <laughs> oh, that's right. So you struggle <sighs> with it on a yeah on a, on a belief level. Yep. Are you getting blinded by science? I, I think that a lot of times we we assign. I, I think a lot of what you said, you know, when I was arguing with you about that being science, is what it comes down to. I think that we want so badly to understand something that we maybe sometimes assign properties to something. Okay, value or, so that or, we yeah, understand yeah. it. Well, yeah, I mean that's what we've been doing since fucking the dawn of time. Right, it, but but we call it science. And in some cases, we, we don't know enough to call it science. We just know that we've assigned um, a characteristic to something, and we think we know why. But once we call it science, it becomes the Bible for people, right? For non-religious people. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is actually this video. And God, I wish I could find it really easily. If I can, I'll put it in the post for this episode, which means I won't. Um, where a guy was talking about, someone challenged him, a scientist was 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 challenged on, like, you know, 
if theories are just theories, why are they more, why should they hold more, you know, hold more water than, you know, anything else? And he basically is like, because science works. <laughs> like, the things that science, you know, the the theories and the hypotheses that science puts out, and obviously not all of them, but like, go through yeah. it. Like, like, if you, you know, gravity, gravity's real because we've tested gravity, like that type of thing. Like, so he basically said, like, Science is is fact because like tests have been done to achieve the results that are put forth in the hypotheses and the theories. All right, so I'm I'm not going to argue um, gravity with you, but I will say this: yes, we've tested gravity, and there's a gravitational <laughs> pull, and it's because the planet is spinning, right? I mean, that's the short short answer on gravity, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. What if there's just a big fucking <laughs> people answer. magnet? In in the middle of the Earth, like the test would come out the same, but it's not because the Earth is spinning. I know that gravity, or whatever it is that keeps me from floating off into outer space, is a thing. I just don't know that we have enough information to always. So there's assess. like a big... and I, I just throw it, I'm just throwing this one out there. I don't want to debate gravity with you. This was just what came into my mind, right? You know, when you well, said gravity. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm just imagining on our flat Earth because it's flat, right? Um, there's a big, uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's not, let's not do this. There's a big U-shaped magnet underneath that's pulling us down. I mean, we don't know that there isn't. <laughs> All right. Where was I going? Oh, I was going to move away from this. <laughs> uh, yeah. You said you had time slips, I believe. I've got two things and I'm going to okay. talk about the quick thing first, because yep. I know this is going to be like a long ass episode and I'm so much having fun. Have you ever heard of the Philadelphia experiment? Um, is that the, the movie with Tom Hanks where he gets AIDS? <laughs> I have to get you points for being close. That was the movie Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. Yeah. I know that the Philadelphia experiment is a movie about a government, um, time thing. And for all, for as much as I love time travel movies, I have not seen that particular movie and I'm not familiar with the source matter. So, all right. So I'll give you the, I'll give you the Wikipedia, um, pre, pre, like, you know, they have the first paragraph. Mm -hmm. I think it's called the pre-pre. <laughs> it's exactly what Wikipedia. Wikipedia is like, if everyone just spent $3, we could name this something better than pre-pre. <laughs> oh, sorry, Wikipedia. I'm not helping you in this fight. I have no dog in this fight. The Philadelphia Experiment is an alleged military experiment supposed to have been carried out by the U.S. Navy at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Sometime around October 28, 1943, the U.S. Naval Destroyer Escort USS Eldridge was claimed to have been rendered invisible to enemy devices. So the idea was, the broad strokes are, they were doing this experiment where they just pounded the USS Eldridge with a bunch of like electromagnetic radiation mm -hmm. um, in order to try and make it invisible to enemies. But... I this sounds a little familiar now, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. What ended up happening was it did disappear, but the, the theory is that it, it um, reappeared somewhere else for a series of like for a, for a span of about 10 minutes or something like that. And then it reappeared, but a bunch of people died on the ship and some of them were like fused into like the body of the ship and stuff like that. So like what was supposed to be a scientific experiment to cloak the, you know, to basically create an invisible ship actually made it not travel necessarily through time, but through space. 
That's super interesting. I mean, I, I I'm Norfolk, Virginia I, is where we're supposed to have gone from from Philadelphia to Norfolk, Virginia. I can't possibly believe that as a government we haven't tried some of this stuff. Oh my god, absolutely. How could we not have? Like, if you think about it, governments all over the world have to be trying this because if someone, mm-hmm. if some government figures out time travel first or cloaking technology first, mm-hmm. you you run in the world. Absolutely, and and the the thing that the thing that strikes me as odd though is like, at what point does a government or or a, or a military institution or a private institution for that matter? accept what you're saying enough to try what has to be an expensive <laughs> yeah. experiment, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, later when we talk about our thoughts on, on time travel, I'm going to bring up some stuff that, you know, if and when it could be done, maybe wouldn't cost a whole lot or, 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 or whatever. But you've got this thing, you've got all these people involved, you've got to fire all this fucking antimatter or whatever the hell you said it was at it. And I have to imagine <laughs> there's a huge cost. And some guy was like, hey, you know what I think? And then you would think that they would have tried it on a much smaller scale first. Like, let's see if we can make this this can of Diet Coke invisible. Right, not a goddamn ship. Well, right. I mean, that baby steps. Yeah. I do know that there have been or a, a lot of science. Yeah, or baby. <laughs> um, I do know there have been a lot of scientific uh, discoveries and, and or just inventions that were made completely by accident. Um, so I could see... You know, someone trying to bombard a, a, an object with something to give it, you know, some kind of properties. And then all of a sudden it kind of shimmers like it almost disappeared. And you went, holy shit, what just happened? Forget right. that other thing. Forget that I was trying to imbue this object with super strength by by throwing all these protons at it or, or whatever it is. Maybe I can make this shit disappear and your your whole thing changes. And I do know that we've had numerous scientific discoveries and inventions happen in exactly that way. Yeah, we thought this was going to work. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's uh, silly enough as you say it, right? That's you know that yeah, happens in NASA. science yeah, all too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, I, I just don't see them getting to the point where they they try it on a ship before it's been well tested. Right, and that's and honestly, like that's one of my, um, in, in retrospect, one of the things that I think that the TV show Fringe or or similar, probably X Files too. Um, that deal with like government people doing things that you know the government always denies doing would be like. Livius, did you watch Fringe at all? Uh, the in its entirety. Fucking amazing show, um, and we'll come back to that. When we're talking about our personal, you know, uh, thoughts about time travel, but also like uh, our fiction time travel stuff that we care about. Um, one of the things that we didn't see from a show like that is like. Oh yeah, Walter was you know working back in the seventies um, with the government to you know make people you know telekinetic or something, but <laughs> the result of it was like you know some technology that's in televisions or something like that, which would have been would have been a cool like grounding element to kind of exactly what you're saying. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, uh, I I also think I'm, I'm going to make a prediction, or or, or maybe so. I think that. We've gotten to the point where private institutions are so much more advanced than the government. And some of this is due to budget constraints or whatever that I think when we see uh, time travel or ships being made invisible or, or whatever, it's going to come from the private sector and not yeah. not the government. Uh, the SpaceX. government will swoop in and take it. But, yeah, it, it's going to come from uh, 
from uh, what's his name that does the the, the Tesla cars, you know, Elon that kind of yeah, SpaceX. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. no. Perfect. OK. Yeah. That's you know, it's going to come from that guy or from some other private <laughs> think tank um, institution where they're trying things and not from not from not from the current White House. I agree. And now there's one element of time travel that I feel like we need to talk about um, that we haven't yet. So everything we've talked about so far is intentional, right? Yes. Now there's an element of time travel that is more like spooky stories and stuff like that, um, called time slips. And is it something you're familiar with? It doesn't sound like you were something you're you're very familiar with. No, and maybe not by name. Maybe once you give me some something, it's kind of like the Philadelphia experiment. The more you talk, the more I knew exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. So, so the idea of of a time slip is it's it's an experience that someone had where they accidentally traveled through time. So by no you know, uh, experiment or scientific, you know, endeavor or something like that. They did nothing more than just do what they were doing, but somehow experienced time travel. So uh, I'm not going to know the name of them off the top of my head, but I was reading a little bit about this and there was one where these people were driving down a road and ahead of them, they saw uh, what looked like an antique car, a car that was like 30 plus years old. And this is like back in the sixties. So they were seeing a car from like the thirties and, and they were confused because they thought it was, um, it was remarkable how new the car looked, but it was moving very slow, probably because it's an, you know, an antique car and everything. And so at one point they went to pass the car on the road. And as they're passing the car, there's a woman and a child in the car who are dressed appropriate for 30 years ago. And so as they're passing, the woman in the car looks real freaked out. And I'm guessing it's because there's a future car that she's looking at. And so they kind of signal to the woman and say something like, hey, do you need help or something like that? And she kind of nods yes. And they signal for her to pull over. And when they pull over in front of her and look back, the car is gone. And so the idea is this was an experience these people had where they experienced a time slip where they were driving in the past, but by the time they got out to help the woman, they had kind of made it back to their own time. So there was like a, like a weakness in space time or something like that, that made them exist in a different time. That's, um, that's interesting. That's, uh, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, the city and the city, which wasn't a time travel thing, but you know, where, where the, the Porsche would, sometimes it was so thin. It was the two cities that like exist on top of one another. And in some places it was so thin that you could kind of pass through or be seen from the other side. Right, right. That um, more leads me more than like a wormhole theory. That more leads me to believe that whole like time exists simultaneously. Like there is no past yeah. and no future. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, something that would happen that would cause you to accidentally pass over. Now, when you go back, the guy crawled under his sink, the sink from House of Leaves, where the cabinet is bigger than you know it should be. <laughs> Um, it's bigger on the inside would kind of, I think, go fall into those same kind of realm. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that guy would be a time slip because it wasn't something, it wasn't the result of technology that he created. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't build a machine. He was trying to fix a sink. Yeah. Yeah, It's a, yeah, there's another example where the guy in a, in a pickup truck at a gas station, um, is guessing up his car and some really belligerent guy keeps demanding to know what the date is. 
what year it is, what year it is, and he keeps telling him, and the guy gets more and more agitated, and then he just vanishes. There's things like that. And so it's like um, unintentional interaction with a time other than your own, I think is what a time slip is. So it, it bore, at the very very least, mentioning, because it's time-related. And that's kind of like, if you ask me, that's Twilight Zone fucking creepy. Because what would you do, Livius, if, like, you found yourself 30 years in the past? Like, I would be terrified because it's like, what if I don't get back? Yeah. I, I ugh, You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think it would be less terrifying than finding yourself in the future. Mm-hmm. But you have some knowledge of the past. That's true. I could probably just, like, you know, um, what's the guy Biff from Back to the Future? Oh... <laughs> sure. That Spoilers. Sounds, yeah. That sounds, uh, but you know what I mean? Like if I, if I wound up in the past 30 years ago and could not get back, right. um, I would be sitting fairly pretty because I have knowledge. I have um, ideas that aren't my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I have the ability, I think, to, you know, depending on what your thing is, if you're a sports guy. You make some money betting yep. on a, on the World Series that, that you're very familiar with. Or in, in my case, you know, having some knowledge of what stocks did really, really well in the yeah. early 80s or mid 80s. companies right? to invest in, what sports to bet on, things like that. Sure. sure. You know, so I, I think yeah. that would be less scary. And, and to be honest with you, if I only went back 30 years, I was alive 30 years ago. Yeah. Not, not a real uncomfortable time for me to go back to, to 1987 and understand how things work. Now, going into the future, on the other hand terrifying that's the unknown that's true yeah so i yeah. uh yeah it, i would be completely freaked out you're right yeah. but i think if it got <laughs> to the point where uh, a day, you know i'm done being freaked out i start planning on not being able to go back if i didn't know how i got there yeah like in terminator genesis sure i didn't see that or was that in... the tv show or is that the last movie that was the last movie um okay. basically like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, shitty, old-ass Terminator gets stuck back in time. And then, like, we cut to 30 years later where he's just been waiting for decades for the moment where he meets up with the people again. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. But now that we're on movies, yeah, um, I knew Back to the Future would come up. I had a feeling the Terminator would come up. Um, I have assembled what I think are not very well-known time travel, unless this is your thing. If this is your thing, you're about to say, holy shit, someone else knows this movie exists. <laughs> I love that movie, right? I don't think that's our audience, but I'd be surprised if they are. Let I'm going to I'm going to guess I know I've had online conversations with with a couple of people who listen about uh, the the first one. I, I guess I'm going to talk about them a little out of order since I kind of mentioned it. Primer. Rob, have you ever seen the movie Primer? I have not. Primer is a 2004. When I say low budget movie, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say lowest budget movie. Um, by comparison, Kevin Smith has said that he spent about thirty thousand dollars making clerks. OK. This is an estimated budget for the movie Primer, $7,000. Wow. So for less than most people paid for their their used car, okay, these guys made a movie <laughs> that is is um, brilliant. Um, it, it deals with, well, obviously it's low budget, but it deals with my one of my favorite things about um, time travel movies is what I call like the short time travel. So these guys inadvertently built a time travel machine. I'm not going to get into the whole plot, um, but they travel back to the to the morning of the day. 
Okay, so it's not there's no time traveling to save Abraham Lincoln or to kill Hitler when he's a kid or, or any of that stuff. It's all very centralized in their lives and in a very, very small portion of time. The movie is super complex. Um, as a matter of fact, when I watched it um, a number of years ago, I turned it off. I was blown away. I had to watch it again to really understand it. And it's the kind of movie that even after you've watched it once and maybe twice, you immediately go to whatever your favorite movie message board is to to hear what other people's takes on what happened were. So um, I, I know not a lot of people have seen it, but if you're at all interested in a, a fairly complex, this is not something, a movie you watch while you're scrolling on Facebook and, and, and messaging with your friends. This is a me consider it like subtitles like you have to keep your eyes on the screen the entire time to kind of follow what's going on but it's brilliant and even more so that it's done on a stupid stupid low budget so that's uh that's my first um under completely underrated time travel um movie dude and if you want to think about it considered a runaway success because looking at box office mojo Lifetime gross for this movie is $424,760. Yeah, which is terrible for any other movie, right? Because that's, you know, that's not a, 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 you know, 1% of what an average movie costs anymore. Yeah, that's those like guys 60 did. times what they spent on it. That's, yep. that's probably one of the most profitable movies in, in the, like the history of cinema. Yeah. And their time travel machine was probably cost them a quarter of their budget to make. <laughs> Wow. But I'm not kidding. I mean, like, because everything else is is nothing. I mean, these are guys like in their everyday clothes, and you know, they're you know, part of it. You know, they probably had to rent some space at a storage facility where part of it is shot, and the rest is like in their garage. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's this very small scale um, film, but that handles uh, time travel brilliantly. Um, the second one is a foreign movie, which is likely why it hasn't gotten a, a lot of love in, in the U.S. As a matter of fact, this is subtitled. I don't think there's a dubbed version of it. And that's a 2007 movie that, at least in the United States, is called Time Crimes. It's Los Crono Crimenes um, from Spain. It's listed under horror, mystery, and sci-fi. And, and I think it, it really hits on on all three of those. And it's another one. It's a guy who inadvertently goes to this place. <laughs> Oddly, you know, you said before, he sees a naked woman like through a window. So he like goes to investigate and inadvertently finds a uh, time machine that takes him back 90 minutes in time. It's that short time travel that gets creepy. Oh, my God, dude. It, it, it's it's just it's done so, so well. Relatively speaking, also a small budget. I think it was like. Two hundred eighty thousand dollars or something. Uh, oh, two point six million. Sorry, I don't know what they spent that two point six million on. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it comes across as a low budget movie. It's uh, it's brilliant in its execution. Um, also, something you have to pay really close attention to if you really want to enjoy it. But this one is a lot more fun. That where, where Primer is super smart and complex. This one's complicated but fun. To, to watch and follow and guess at what happens and, and that type of thing. So um, Time Crimes uh, looks like it's available for uh, for two ninety nine on Amazon Video, as was Primer. I think it was two ninety nine, but also available on Amazon Video. So these are easy for you to get for uh, for three bucks if you want to watch it. The final one I struggled with, but I, I saw this movie like two years ago and I was really angry 
at anybody who maybe had seen it and didn't tell me I needed to see this movie back in 2009 <laughs> when it came out. I struggle with putting this on the list because if you're a fan of time travel, I think you'll like this movie. That being said, there's really no time travel in it, but it plays a little bit like a time travel movie. I don't want to spoil it, but the movie's called Triangle. And it's a movie that uh, a bunch of friends go out on a yacht for the day. The yacht breaks down and they find a they see a, like a freight ship. They decide to board the freight ship and then weird shit starts happening. By weird shit, someone tries to kill them. Um, Triangle, although not traditionally a time travel movie and probably doesn't show up on time travel lists. Um, completely underrated horror movie. Um, but definitely, I think, something for fans of time travel films. So maybe you've seen all the time travel. Maybe you've seen Time Crimes, and maybe you've seen Primer. And, and I'm not telling you anything new. If you haven't seen Triangle, add it to your list and do that post-haste. It's uh, it's definitely, definitely worth watching. Was that it for the Livius list? Um, yeah, for movies. I do want to say Triangle probably had the creepiest scene I've ever seen in a movie in it, too. I have I have others that are great. I mean, I'll just throw out some names real quick, just for for fans of movies. Predestination, um, which actually stars Ethan Hawke, other than a gigantic plot hole, is probably one of the best time travel movies I've seen. Um, Coherence was something that came out a couple years ago. That's pretty good. Doctor Man, Who, the TV you're, series. You're just dialed into that fucking shit no one's ever heard of. Dude, Project Almanac, like if you want to watch something with your like 10-year-old kid, Project Almanac is a fun time travel movie about kids, uh, high school kids who discover a time travel machine. Yeah, I love this yeah. shit, man. I love all of it. Time Lapse <laughs> is about a ca- Oh, dude, this one. Hold on a second. Time Lapse <laughs> is about this uh, this couple and their friend. They all, they all share an apartment together. It's a, it's a boy and a girl and, and this other guy. They go to check on their uh, neighbor who hasn't been getting his paper or whatever, and they 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 do like a wellness check. They find he's not there, or maybe I don't remember, maybe he's dead, whatever. At any rate, he has a camera, like a, a what are those Instamatic cameras, like the the Polaroid type camera, set up to this yeah. huge rig. But what they find is that it snaps a picture of exactly twenty four hours oh, in the future. Oh yeah, I've heard and about this. And it's pointed one. at their apartment. Really great movie. Again, low budget. When I say that, I mean there's there are some recognizable actors in it. You know what I mean? But um, another one that's you know is about time travel. They get that they they are able to figure out how to help themselves out by utilizing this machine. Super interesting. Right on. I've got a few. They're not as obscure. It's Back to the Future one, two, and three. Yeah, yeah. Back to the Future one, two, and three. Um, uh, I've mentioned it before. It's no surprise, and it's going to be something that people are. Very familiar with, but the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series does something very interesting with time travel, and it's with the um, the least human, probably, of all the characters, which is Marvin, the paranoid android. Uh, the reason I bring this up is um, in, in several uh, instances throughout the series of books, Marvin spends millions of years basically doing the opposite of time travel. So, like, um, there's one instance, and I was talking about this with someone the other day, and that's why it comes to mind, where um, they're at what's called the restaurant at the end of the universe, and Marvin gets left behind. But later on, they go, they, they meet up with him at a different point in time. And the only reason that he's there is because he has existed through everything to get him to that moment. So, like, 
while what happened with the main characters may have taken um, months or years or weeks or days or whatever it is, Marvin has, because they're traveling through time, Marvin has existed for all of those hundreds of millions of years in between point A and point B. And so the thing that's interesting about that is he's a robot and he is kind of resistant to the the passage of time. Although, like, you know, his body, his actual physical parts, you know, take some beating over time. But the the time travel is kind of an afterthought to the fact that, like, this son of a bitch robot took the long way to meet these people by existing through the entire time that they jumped through. So it was an interesting perspective on time travel you don't typically see is that time travel is easy because you just go where you need to. But if you don't have that luxury, you have to exist through everything that happens between then and now, which I thought was a pretty interesting kind of take on perspective of time travel. That is. And, and you know, again, I'm, I'm sure it's not 100 percent unique. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a you make a very interesting point that, yeah, somebody traverses um, time. But, yeah, I, <laughs> and that'll tie it a little bit to my one book recommendation so maybe i'll explain yeah. that a little bit we talk about a little more my one um book pick that I, I i chose to to mention um is the time traveler's wife by audrey niffenegger niffenegger unpronounceable last name audrey that's um, racist against germans maybe i don't know i thought you said the n-word i was i was looking, oh, I was looking oh at yeah facebook yeah. so yeah I just assumed you were being racist. I'm sorry. I got you. That's okay. Um, I think a lot of um, readers may have shunned this because it, it it really was marketed as a romance novel. And although there's a love story at its heart, um, it, it's about a guy who travels through time but falls in love and has a relationship with his wife, but kind of out of order for him. So there are points, and I, it, it caught a little bit of flack from people because there are points where he goes back and, and sees her. So he's he's married to her. They, they're they're lovers. They're in a relationship at points, but he goes back to see her when she's a, a child, and, and he doesn't you know do anything. But he loves her because this is this is the woman that he loves, you know. But he gets to interact with her, kind of like you said. He jumps around in her life and appears and disappears. But for her, it's straight through. So a much smaller scale. Of of the robot, in uh, or the android in the in the in the t- Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, mm-hmm. but she has to live through all of this, and he does it completely out of order. Um, so there's a little bit of a mystery in there and stuff, but it's written very well. It, it I I think it's a great love story, but it's a really interesting take on on time travel. See, and that's where I think that time travel gets interesting because like. Um, I think that sci-fi and fantasy get so caught up on this is what's going to, you're going to change timelines and you're going to change politics and you're going to murmur, And that's all bullshit. Like, um, when you, when you look at the, the greater kind of emotional side of like having access to something you shouldn't, right. That's when things get really interesting from the, from the perspective of talking about time travel. And um, so the other thing that I want to uh, are we are we okay with books? Do you have other books to talk uh, talk about? No, oddly enough, I don't read a lot of time travel books. I know we've covered a couple uh, on the show. Time but... pimp. 
Yeah, well, there was Time Pimp, and then there was, um, oh, crap, what was the one with the time-traveling serial killer? Oh, The Shining Girls. Yes. It was something Lauren girls, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but I, I don't know why I don't read more time travel books, because I'm, I'm fascinated by time travel movies, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, kind of in, in jest at the time, Doctor Who. Um, yeah, yeah. Who also has, oddly enough, and I'm going to assume it's may even be based a little bit on the time traveler's wife. Um, the doctor does have a relationship where, same thing, he has it out of order yeah. with the person because he's the one that can jump through time. So right. he, he sees this woman at different times. But, like, the first time she kisses him is not the first time he kisses her kind of thing. You know what I mean? That kind of weird. Yeah. 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 So. But super interesting when it handles time travel well. It doesn't do it all the time, but when it nails it, it's so goddamn good. <laughs> I want to talk about Fringe because we mentioned it earlier, and I said it was coming back. And um, did you say it was coming back? No, not the TV show. Oh. I said it was going to come oh. back later on in the oh, discussion. Oh, I, like, I was like, how did this not come up during the X Files <laughs> revival thing? No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you all, all, all excited. Fringe is not coming back. Fringe was going to come back later in the conversation. I was time traveling a little bit with, uh, I gotcha. with the discussion. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. You've seen the entire series? Yes. There was an episode with Peter Weller. Do you remember this? RoboCop? You're going to make me Google Peter Weller. Um, he was RoboCop. Yeah, I remember seeing RoboCop in the theater when it came out, not being a huge fan. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I know yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now. So do you know the story I'm talking about now? Um, refresh my memory, but I think I do. So um, essentially there's a – I can't – I think the actual episode was called The White Tulip, but I could be wrong about this. Um, you can look that up while I'm talking about it. But there's an episode of Fringe, and if you ask me, this is the absolute – high watermark of the writing of of fringe episodes when it's like a one-off um episode that doesn't have an impact on the greater arc of the series um i believe it's called white tulip it's got peter weller and um the entire story is that um they're called in the fbi is called in the fringe unit is called in because there's a phenomenon where people died on a you know a train and they don't know why but um, as the as the episode goes on, the same scene repeats itself multiple times. The um, the fringe team realizes that they're experiencing the same thing over and over again because someone is traveling through time trying to do something. Um, Walter discovers, uh, Peter or Walter, whoever, discovers that basically like there's a scientist who's discovered how to successfully travel through time. And what he's trying to do is travel back far enough to prevent the car accident that killed his wife. Or at the very least, see his wife one final time before she dies. Does this sound familiar? It does, and I did look it up. It is definitely called The White Tulip. So, um, the beautiful thing about this is it's a scientist who is messing with the fabric of reality for a very personal emotional reason which resonates hugely with Walter Bishop, who did that exact same thing to catastrophic results. Yep. And so Walter basically says, look, man, I'm the only person that's ever going to know exactly what you're going through and you need to stop. And the dude's like, yeah, no, I'm going to do this anyway. 
And so the time travel is secondary to the fact that, like, there are these two brilliant minds who have done things that are essentially impossible. And they've both done them for love. And, um, you know, the story resolves itself how it does. But when they were talking, when they were these two brilliant minds talking to each other, they're talking about God. And they're talking about, do you believe in God? Why would you believe in God? All this kind of stuff as scientists. And Walter says that he's waiting for a sign to tell him how to act. He's waiting for a sign from God. And so, like, the last thing this guy does before he travels back to see his wife in a way that will ultimately kill him is to anonymously send a picture of a white tulip to Walter, which is the sign that he's waiting for from God to tell him how to be. And so, because the way that the time travel works, once time travel happens, it kind of sets us back to, you know, the time that it started. So everybody forgets what happened before that, you know, before that time that he travels back to, mm-hmm. like resets time. But the letter was already sent. So Walter one day gets the, the letter with the white tulip, having not remembered the fact that he talked to the scientist who discovered time travel. And so Walter gets his sign from God. And, and it's so cool because he didn't, but in a way he did. And I thought it was just like, just amazing, amazing writing. You are not um, you are not the only person that thinks that it's the best episode of Fringe. Um, when I was looking this up, why Fringe season two episode White Tulip is one of the greatest hours in television history. I, I agree, man. Yeah, that show had a lot of very powerful moments. Um, I really enjoyed the show when it went away from its episodic um, yeah. feel. Like even though that was like you could have taken that out of Fringe and probably not really affected the overall storyline. It had a lot to do with Walter and his feelings about what happened in the alternate universe, and you know what I mean. So. Right. I, I almost gave up on Fringe in that first season because I'm not a big fan of the non-threaded shows. And that whole first right. season, the thread was, he, he, you know, his father's crazy and he's not crazy. You know, he he doesn't have a good relationship with his father, but they need his father, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. And I was like, all right, this is this is whatever. This is your very. It was um, loose. Yeah, cop um, he uses some kind of scientist or doctor to help her solve mysteries. You know what I mean? It just didn't didn't do it for me. But as that as that storyline got stronger, um, there are a few TV shows that elicited tears from my eyes and Fringe is one of them. So, oh, yeah, I mean, in multiple occasions, but like specifically that episode, like I was like an emotional wreck at the end of that episode because like. It was so cathartic, but at the at the same time, it was so, like, tragic and sad and lonely. Mm-hmm. And, like, just, like, you know that this guy is just, like, shattered in so many ways emotionally, but also, like, physiologically because he cut a part of his own fucking brain out of his head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's it's so big. And Peter Weller, like, in the whole idea of two scientists having the most, like, faith-based conversation ever was just really interesting. Like, it was just so, like, masterfully written. It's, like, up there with, like, some of the the most mindfuck, like, Twilight Zone moments and stuff like that, if you ask me. Yeah. There was, uh, Fringe did things. And and him as an actor. I just started watching, um... John Noble, yeah. Yeah, I just started watching, uh, Elementary again. 
Uh, I, I'm oh, a, like yeah, a, yeah. Well, like a season and a half behind. And of yeah. course, the first episode when I figured out that I could, you know, watch that I hadn't seen kind of thing as he's in it. Yeah. As, and, as uh, Sherlock's dad. Yeah. He's yeah. Uh, he, he's a great actor and, and really fringe was uh, for me, I think, going to be he's going to go down in history is that's going to be his Walter is going to be his greatest character. Yeah. Like the fact that he didn't win Emmys. I don't think he won Emmys. I want to go look and see if he won Emmys because, like, I can't. And I watch a lot of TV. You watch a lot of TV. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a more well-acted character in, like, the last 15 years than Walter Bishop, played by John Noble. Yep. I agree wholeheartedly. He was uh, he was the heart and soul of that show. I mean, uh, Olivia and Peter were were okay, but but you watched for for Walter. Yep. And and I'm not. I'm not even of the belief that it started out being the Walter show. Like, I, I think that, that that's something that just developed over time. Yeah. And like, not to take any credit away from the other characters, like the other actors in that, in that show did an amazing job. Um, the guy that played Peter was awesome. The Anna Torv was well, awesome. Well, and so many of them had to play two characters, which was yeah. always a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was great too, because like they had to switch from, one persona to another, but like, oh, fucking Spock brought it. <laughs> Leonard, yeah, Leonard, Leonard Nimoy. Nimoy. Yep. Yeah. Can I just <laughs> say that that um that's a perfect instance of if you have to play your own doppelganger, <laughs> the bad doppelganger is yeah. always so much hotter. Yeah. 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 Folivia. Yep. Folivia, yeah. and then I, I'm gonna throw it out here for you know I know, but the Vampire Diaries has the exact same thing. For some reason, the the bad doppelganger. Is like sixty percent hotter than the good doppel. You know what I mean? If so. I all right, and if I had to name a moment in modern television that like really solidified that, and this is like gonna just bounce my nerd cred off the ceiling, it would be Buffy the Vampire Slayer with um Evil Willow. Nothing. I know who Willow is. I watched only the first season, and and I, my understanding is that it got much better after I stopped watching. <laughs> so Willow was the mild mannered, super mm-hmm. yep. dorky, super smart, blah blah blah, and in an alternate like reality, was a vampire like in like super tight leather outfit, making out with ladies, and just like the like most badass character ever. So like evil Willow was like one of those one of those situations. Ladies, become the evil version of yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's really what we're trying to say. We want, yeah, we want um, instead of a lady in the streets but a freak in the bed. We want uh, you in the streets and an alternate you in the bed. I think is what we want. Pretty much, yeah. That's that's what it comes down to. We didn't even get to talk about multiple universes. That might have to be another because we're going. Oh this god, so it's going long, but like it, it, it's go it's going significantly <laughs> longer than we expected. Oh my god, yeah. But here here's the part that 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 I've been really looking forward to. You know, all of this is us rehashing other people's stuff, right? With some opinions and, and whatever. So, um, time travel, Rob. Do you think so? Uh, um, let's take it a series of questions. I'm gonna, like quick fire, like three or four questions, and then I'm gonna let you get, you expand on on that. Um, do you think time travel currently exists? Do you think we have the ability to time travel right now? We know um, okay. matter or particles. Yes. Okay. Do you think that um, time travel exists now in that somebody has come to our time or is currently in our time or, you know, back during Abraham Lincoln? I mean, do you think that in the future time travel, I say already exists, meaning that we're we're being visited currently? No. Okay. 
do you believe the time travel will be possible? Uh, I do, but in a mundane way where, um, do you want me to exp- yes, on that's this what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what your vision for time travel is. So we've, we've, we've already established, you don't think time travel is happening Currently. right now. I don't think that we are being right, visited okay. from another time. I okay. don't, I don't believe that. Okay. Um, here's what, I, here's what my thoughts are. And they're very grounded in the reality of the science that we, we are aware of at the moment. Um, Time travel exists in as much as, like Livius was talking about before, um, some sort of molecule or photon or electron or something like that um, can travel through time. Um, Time travel exists in as much as, like, Albert Einstein basically has a theory that says, you know, if you move faster than the speed of light, you know, time moves differently for you. So, like, possible? Yeah, of course. Uh, are people moving from 2023 back to 2017 to talk to us? No, not happening. Um, but on a grander scale, um, I believe that we don't have a realistic interpretation of what time is. I do feel like that we that time is a construct of, of human comprehension. And the way that time actually exists is beyond our ability to understand. It's interesting that you say that because that actually goes back to um, what I was saying about science. Like we've assigned time yeah, as a thing. And scientifically, we say it takes a minute or it takes a year for us to go around the sun. And we've yeah. established a metric of time based on the fact that we believe that it takes us that amount of, of time to go. You know what I mean? Like we, we've created yeah. time around. And, and I mean... <laughs> I say time doesn't exist, right? Like something happened. This episode started, you know, an hour and a half ago. I, I don't care what you call it. If we're saying <laughs> the right things or whatever, some time has passed or something has passed. We're later than we were when we started this, I guess. Well, time is based on astronomical observation. Yes. Which is limited. Well, so our understanding of time is limited on what we've been able to observe. And to think that we've observed everything is fucking ridiculous. Right. And and I guess I get what you're saying. So I want to take the hours, minutes and seconds out of it, because that's yeah. that's what we're talking about. Right. Like the astral portion is yeah. we're basing around, yeah. around the sun and when it's dark out and when it's light out. But, you know, we, we get older. There, there's a passage. Things <laughs> Timing, happen. Right. Yes. So, yeah, yes. I mean, I, you know, so, yes, I, I could say that. But, yeah, I don't know that it exists all at once. And, and you know, we, we've chosen to measure it just like we do math. You know, we've just assigned numbers to something so yeah. you know yeah. and because they if you take one away from three you always get two that makes it science math but you know what i mean in a way whatever right yeah yeah i do want to say before i go on and i meant to, to do this earlier but it didn't make it into our show notes the idea of time travel is relatively new to us do, do you do you know that um i i was not aware of time travel before back to the future that's 30 okay. years ago all right. So a little bit longer <laughs> than that. Years, sorry. Um, in 1895, um, and I'm quoting from, a, from, I don't know, an article somewhere, Google.com article. Hey, there you go. As, as recently as night, I'm sorry, as recently as 1895, the concept of time travel was so unfamiliar that H.G. Wells had to spend the entire first chapter of the time machine just explaining what time travel is. Because there had never been time travel before, because there had never been a time machine. 
the first thing H.G. Wells had to do is explain to his readers what this whole book is going to be about. Hmm. So it sounds to me like in 1890, nobody even thought about visiting the past or the future. I'm sure they thought about the future because, you know, they, they had their own version of technology back then, right? And yeah. they were like, man, like they're, I'll bet. They're planning for what happened next week, yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, but, but you know, but they were like, oh, I'll bet you in, in another 50 years, you know, we'll be able to, everyone will just be able to fly places by, you know, getting on planes instead of, you know, watching the Wright brothers, you know, do their thing or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they had no real concept of time travel. It's very prevalent in our society today, just based on the number of TV shows and movies and, and ideas that we've talked about. It, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a seven-year-old that isn't already <laughs> talking about how cool it would be to go back in time well, anybody who's to, to do read something. Harry Potter, there's time travel. Yeah, you know, that came up on some list. I was, I was doing some research for the show. Is Does one of those one of those books time travels, right? Is that... Yeah, in the half, ooh, I want to say it's the Half-Blood Prince, so the sixth book, um, Hermione gets what's called a time-turner, which is a device that allows her to travel through time, which becomes um, very instrumental in the end of the book. No, maybe it's the fifth one. It's one of the books, but it's one of the later books. I know they used it in the in the the play in the, that we... The, yeah, yeah, Curse of the Half-Child. Or the Curse I didn't of know the, that there was Curse an actual Child. book that handled that subject but yeah i mean nowadays everything but uh, 120 years ago if you were trying to explain this to somebody they if you'd say time travel they'd just give you a blank look which i think is really interesting <laughs> i didn't think about it but i would i wouldn't think the concept would be new that new so it was kind yeah. of an interesting thing i mean that just means that like when was galileo around oh i don't know the hundreds of years 1800s yeah all that time they've just been trying to figure out and get their mind around the idea of like a linear progression of time in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my personal thoughts on time travel. <laughs> I can't wait. I to don't, hear this. I don't think that um, physical time travel is ever going to be a thing. Um, it definitely not in our lifetime. Meaning I don't know like that... a person going from point A to uh, time A correct. to time B. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I don't think that in 2256, somebody is going to be able to come to our time. Uh, as a physical being and interact with us. What I do think, and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say. I just talked to Rob earlier about this portion, and you know, I didn't tell him what I was gonna say. I said, yeah, I don't necessarily think I'm gonna have an original thought because I don't think there are original thoughts. But I, I haven't seen this anywhere that I'm aware of. So I picked it up in my periphery. I do think that everything we do is is bundled with with energy, right? We're created from energy, or we're made from energy, and everything we do is energetic. Um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I think that we can leave an imprint. And I do believe that at some point, someone will be able to read those imprints. And and I do think, and the closest thing I'd probably say is like astral projection, maybe. I do foresee a time when there will be technology to record everything we do through energy kind of imprints, where somebody could... When I say spiritually, I don't mean the believing in God spiritually, not physically, but spiritually would be able to go back and participate, view, observe something that happened previously. Does that make sense? Think of it like 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 we're being videotaped all the time, which. All right. Yeah, we are for the most part. <laughs> But think about that in a more in more of a way that the, that either we're currently the conversation we're having and the motion I'm making with my hand that nobody can see is being imprinted somehow because I'm creating energy. 
that somebody would be able to track and make that energy viewable so that someone 25 or 30 or 100 years from now could come back and actually be in the room with me and see all this but wouldn't be able to interact because it's already past. So we'd be able to visit the past, not the future, but we wouldn't be able to interact with it, which I realize is super boring when you're talking about time travel because <laughs> you can't change anything. Yeah. So you're but talking I do think about, at some point. Yeah. So what you're talking about is a phenomenon that happens for anybody who's read any Harry Potter or watched oh, any of the Harry Potter okay. movies. Um, the pensive or pensive, I guess, depending on how you say it, is a receptacle where you can take your memories and put them in there where someone else can experience your memory. So well, a like, little different than that, but yeah. General idea. So like mm. you're, I'm floating around in 2032. I'm sorry, 2354, mm -hmm. and I somehow latch on to your life experience mm -hmm. and, and composed of the energy, whatever you said. Yep. And I can just be like, damn, it's like I'm in 2017 and I'm sitting in front of a, a, a machine and I'm sucking vapor into my mouth and I'm, and, and I'm <laughs> okay. talking to someone gotcha. through, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yep. Yeah, is that that's um, kind of what you're saying? Mine's mine's a little bit different than that. Think about that as ghosts. Like you would be a ghost and able Absurd. to okay. access anything that's been recorded. Now, I, I'm not sure. I, I think that we're we're creating this now, so maybe there's a way to recreate it. But I think by and large, it would be used for things like going back and watching a presidential inauguration, or right, right. you know what I mean, like a very touristy thing. Not like oh, I'm going to okay. go see what Rob's doing. But that so you'd it wouldn't be, be accidental. To... It would be intentional. Like, oh, I want to see. Oh, yeah. what it, I want to yes. see what that fucking arcade fire a concert was like fifty years ago. Right, and like okay. I said, I'm not sold on the fact that because the technology doesn't exist, that you know, it, it's possible because I think we, we're leaving some type of imprint that maybe yeah. um, people will be able to come back. Quite honestly, maybe that would explain kind of like ghostly things too. Now, sure, like but something I think, got I, yeah, moved yeah. in the room and I yep. don't know why, like that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. I do think, though, that you'd just be watching. It would be like watching a movie. But but you'd be able to walk around and see different things. Oh, and, yeah. You know like, I, I wouldn't mean? be like, there for the opening, like the first viewing of the Matrix movie in 1999 when it first came out. Like, right. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. Um, um, but without any interaction. So I, I think yeah. that once we're done Purely here, we're done. Read only. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now. So that's my thoughts on kind of how I think time travel might work someday. I like it. I, it's more experiential, less like actual time space continuum shit. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing I believe in that plays into all the pseudoscience we've been talking about tonight is the idea of multiple universes. Um, and the idea that like a decision you make now creates an alternate reality. I buy into that fucking lock, stock and barrel. Well, let's talk about this briefly, and then maybe we'll see if we need yeah, to expand this up. into a full into a full episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you say that, like, yeah, I, I, we make it like we just made the decision to talk about this, right? Yeah. Do you, what you're saying is that somewhere we made the decision not to talk about this? Yeah. At some point in 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 another reality, right now we're saying keep reading. Huh. Yeah. What, I don't what, know. I don't know what I base that on. Okay. It's something that I can buy into, though. And I think it's just, like, it's the fact that, ev like, uh, the majority of things that we do, the things that are not involuntary, require a decision. And there's so many possibilities with every decision we make. 
that would like so like there's there's limiting decisions too so like the fact that you and i decided to do this podcast and we can continue kind of keeps us limited to certain decisions in life right yeah i mean because i have to plan to read books for this podcast which means i'm not inventing time travel with that time is that what you're saying yeah which we kind of screwed each other on on inventing time travel by by doing (laughs) this podcast i'm guessing Yeah. yeah probably um but in general, like, yeah, decisions that we make um, allow for different outcomes and different realities that grow from those outcomes. It makes sense to me in a way. Um, and there's scientific shit behind it, which we may have to go into, like, uh, you know, a Patreon exclusive, like, multiple universe episode or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm not opposed to that. I find having these types of conversations... Um, fascinating. I, um, I like having I like having differing view conversations in general. Yeah. Like I love talking to somebody whose politics are a little different than mine, as long as it can turn not into a name calling contest. Yeah, but here's here's what really solidifies it for me, and this is why I think that it's a thing. Um, a raised atheist, so Jesus, God, all that bullshit just isn't doing it for me. There's no theological explanation for the weird things that I don't understand. But there have been times in my life where as something was happening, I knew what someone was going to say next. I knew it. Have you ever had that experience? I know you constantly tell me I knew you were going to say that on this podcast. Yeah, but I'm talking about like deja vu and shit like that where you're like, oh. I've definitely had deja vu. I don't know that I've ever really, I mean, other than just knowing somebody accurately predicted a. Yeah. But like, so like, I find myself in a moment where it's like someone's saying something and I'm like, oh, this has happened before. And the next sentence they say, I'm like, yes, that's what happened next. And like, I kind of go through that kind of like, I have a memory of this thing that never happened before. That's interesting. I mean, that's a little deja vu, but deja vu typically doesn't indicate any future knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's usually just, and we, I think we all have deja vu. I think I just yeah. felt it by saying we all have deja vu. <laughs> but to <laughs> me, I explain that as like, this has happened in another reality and this is my like bleeding over of, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. type of thing, either that or I'm fucking insane, which is totally uh, valid. You can, yeah. totally <laughs> you valid. can go either way on that one. So, um, um, but like those types of things, like I choose to explain that to myself as like, there are an infinite number of realities where everything that could happen has possibly happened. And, um, you know, at some point I have experienced it, just not maybe in this reality. I think, you know, you mentioned religion um, or, or, or lack of religion. Very dismissively, and, yeah. <laughs> well, but, you know, I, 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 I would go all Fox Mulder. I, I want to believe, right? I want there to be more <laughs> to it than than we have. Yeah. Um, that being said, I also have no real religious beliefs. Um, and that's the difference because religious belief is faith, right? Yeah. So proof without um, or, or belief without proof. And, uh, yeah, I would need to see a little more proof, maybe even in my own personal life, if I was able to start predicting the next words out of your mouth um, yeah. and, and not that it's going to be keep reading, you know, at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm going to fuck with you on that later in the episode. Right. But you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I would love to see proof of time travel or, or whatever. And I'm, I'm fascinated by. A little bit. And, you know, we've we talked about podcasts. You and I have talked about it off the podcast, right? Conspiracy theories and the supernatural right. and stuff. And, and, and I, I buy into all of that a little bit, um, but always tentatively. More yeah. of the, yeah, I don't see why this couldn't be 
um, the the conspiracy theory or the the supernatural or you know that lady talking on the cell phone in the video. I'm like on devil's the fence, advocate man. or like you know curiosity. Right? Yeah. Like like I, I look at something like that and I go, well, you know, disprove it. Yeah. And I'll stop thinking it's possible. Now I'm not bought into that she's a time traveler. As I kind of told you, I don't think we're being visited by time travelers right now. <laughs> but I do see something like that, and I go, "Well, this leads me to the possibility that it's a thing until it's debunked." I, John Teeter, no. Some of those other photos, no. Some of them, maybe. Mm, yeah. And and you know I, I I'd like for them to be true. It would be fucking fascinating, man. Can you just imagine the day that they prove um, that ghosts are actually spirits of people that that we knew that died, or or the day that you know, we <laughs> talked about, um, like the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Um, if that's if there's a weird cut there, it's totally not Rob's fault. It only took us twenty oh minutes to figure out what that was called. <laughs> um, that was. Uh, <laughs> It was co-founded in 1973 by Edgar Mitchell, who uh, who was a former astronaut. But they um, investigate, scientifically try to investigate paranormal phenomenon, um, alternative healing practices. I mean, all that weird shit that, that you don't buy into. Yeah. And they have made some pretty uh, amazing, scientifically repeatable um, discoveries. Um, and the one that comes to mind, and I'm not, I'm not going to drag this on, it has nothing to do with time travel. Um, they, I'm, I'm picturing in your mind that, that game that you play where you drop the ball, you know, into the thing and it bounces around and, and you know, you get the like tickets Plinko? for whichever hole it goes. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. On the fucking prices, right? Plinko. Yep. Yep. Picture something like that on a big scale where there's hundreds or maybe a thousand balls. And it's devised in a way that you let the balls fall, but uh, half of them should go to the left and half of them should go to the right. And they could repeat that hundreds and hundreds of times, right? They then take people and set them in front of this wall. And your direction is, I want you to will the balls to go to the left. Okay. They, they claim to be able to repeat this on demand that when you put the per- and this could be observer theory, right? You were talking about yeah, it earlier. Yeah, I was going to say this. Go back to it. Ther- that it's not that it's theory. not like seventy percent of the balls then go to the left, but that without fail, the way that they ask people to to wish the balls gets more balls than it does when there's nobody or they're just told to watch. You know what I mean? Like that right. type. Of- so they study phenomenon like that. And I know that you can get involved or at least at one point you could get involved. Like they would just have open to everybody, you know, on Tuesday night, we're going to do this thing and you could sign up and basically just stare at their website and think about something that they would then try to experiment to see if it had any effect that hundreds of people around the world or thousands of people or whatever are all concentrating on one outcome yeah. that that outcome becomes more likely so call it prayer, call it telekinesis, call it whatever you want. These guys are also the ones who have, have tested like the weight of the human soul by putting someone in a in a, a weight chamber at the moment of their death and found out that there's some <laughs> small yeah. fraction of a pound that disappears from your weight at the moment of your death. You know what I mean? So they're doing right. some really cool stuff that could be very exciting when they make a breakthrough you know, about just being able to say that, yeah, you know, it, it could be the human soul. But the fact that you lose weight when you die, like instantly, means something leaves your body, right? Something physical actually leaves. 
yeah. for you to weigh less. So, I mean, that's fascinating stuff. And I always look forward to big discoveries like that. Dude, um, you know that like legit scientists are like, man, we can't let the noetics get to that shit first. <laughs> no? I think, though, that, you know, it, it's just weird because I think that it's dismissed as unimportant or it's dismissed as supernatural or, or whatever. Yeah. And it goes back to the who's the guy that convinces someone that let's take a ship full of guys and bomb it with whatever, you know, because <laughs> it, it's going to disappear. Right. There are people that are trying this in, in uh, on smaller scales. And, you know, I mean, at, at some point, <laughs> who knows, maybe they decide to see if they can steer a boat that's in the water that doesn't know it's part of the experiment by wishing it to go three degrees to the left. You know, I mean, that could be something that could be used in military applications or oh we go yeah yeah hey the first part of it is believing that it's possible right then testing and trying to figure out how you get it to work so yeah like taking it seriously yeah yep now i want to tell you that i had i had a weird moment where while we were talking about this um there's something that livia shared with me earlier today um separately that i was looking into um and i was looking at i had the website open and I had a moment where I felt like I was traveling through time and I'm being hundred percent serious right now. I'm just, I'm not, this isn't a gimmick for the episode because it's themed. I was looking at an article at the side of an article Olivia sent me, or at least that I looked up because of something Olivia sent me where it says Cuba Gooding senior dead at 72 possible overdose. And I swear <laughs> in my mind, it said Cuba Gooding junior. And I'm like, I know that guy's not 72. Am I traveling through time? It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> but I think it's because I got time travel in my mind. I'm like, wow, am I seeing the future when Cuba Gooding Jr. dies? No, I'm just stupid. I read it wrong. However, someone is dead, and it's tragic. That is um, hilarious. Uh, earlier, one of the sites we were on, and I didn't bring it up during the episode, was so goddamn sketchy. And it must have been one of the ones I looked up because I just, I don't know, hold on. Let's see if it's this other one that you gave me. Um, I gave you some I, sketchy stuff. I know that. Oh, my God. The sidebar, just because we're on that, I'm going to read off some of the ones that I got maybe a little sidetracked with. Um, oh, oh, see, it looks like they reloaded different stuff. I swear the first time I was on there was like there's just like a bunch of like nip slip articles and like just weird, you know, like like this Brazilian woman has the highest rated booty in the world. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if we can believe in time travel just based on the other articles that are linked yeah, yeah. your credibility is yeah. a little bit lowered um, metro.co.uk elderly man demands gay sex from train passenger yeah yeah, yeah that kind of stuff like yeah. they're all very clickbaity kind of articles but at any rate i think we're done at the two hour mark roughly i don't know because rob's gonna edit this down yeah um for all our research purposes <laughs> Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, oh, if yeah. not, we hope you develop time travel and go back and don't listen to it. Yeah, that's your that's your see. And we win either way. You either enjoyed what we talked about, or we force you to um, make a scientific breakthrough. Yeah. So um, we had a lot of fun doing it. Hopefully, you had a lot of fun listening. If you did, um, drop us a line in one of numerous places. Let us know that this is something you'd like to hear us do again. <laughs> Um, not time travel, but maybe maybe gay cowboy <laughs> erotica or multiple, Mul- universes. multiple universes on Patreon. Yep. 
Yeah. So uh, let us know. And uh, hopefully you had a good time. Um, we're going to be a little late with our next episode. If you're not a frequent listener, don't come back next week because we won't be here. We'll be in Long Beach, California, doing some interviews and hanging out at StokerCon. So uh, it's going to be a bit before we see you back here. But when we come back, Jeremy Robert Johnson. So that's something to look forward to. Very excited for that. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing what people thought of our weird time travel <laughs> shit that we talked about for two hours. Um, until next time, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. <laughs>